Hi, podcast listeners. Claire and Dan Shirley from Sawbill Canoe Outfitters here. Hey, everyone. We just wanted to drop in on this episode to let folks know what things are like up at the end of the Sawbill Trail. It's the end of July, and we're just ramping up into our busiest couple of weeks of the year. It's prime time summertime right now on Sawbill Lake, that's for sure. The fish are biting, blueberries are ripening, and I can hear sounds of happy kids swimming off the dock. We've also been fielding quite a few calls from folks wondering about last minute options for getting into the BWCA. Yes, if you find yourself with some free time and wanting to fit in a last minute camping trip, we have a few thoughts. First, check recreation.gov for overnight permit availability. People are canceling permits on a daily basis. So even if you don't see any availability one day, that can change. Secondly, if you can't find an overnight permit, consider one of the National Forest campgrounds adjacent to the BWCA. Here at Sawbill Lake Campground, we have 50 sites right on the Sawbill Lake entry point. 25 of those sites are always first come, first serve, and the campground hasn't been totally full yet this season, so snagging a first come site is a pretty good bet at this point. Sawbill Lake doesn't have any private property on it, and it's a short 15-minute paddle before you cross into the wilderness area. Day use permits are free and self-issue right at the canoe landing. Day use permits are a great way to get your BWCA fixed without having to commit to a full canoe trip. Give us a call or email us at info at sawbill.com. We are happy to answer any questions and help you find a way to enjoy your vacation time. Lastly, we would be remiss if we didn't give a huge shout out and thank you to the Sawbill crew. We've got 15 crew members up here right now who are working hard to help people have successful canoe trips. We might be biased, but we think we've got the best crew around. Thank you also to everyone who's already been up to visit us this year. We feel fortunate to have some of the kindest visitors, many of whom have become extended Sawbill family. Your continued support means a lot to us, and making those lasting relationships is one of our favorite parts of the job here. To learn more about Sawbill and follow along with our life in the woods, you can follow us on Facebook or Instagram at Sawbill Canoe Outfitters. You can also check out our newsletter blog on sawbill.com. The blog archives go all the way back to 1996. Cheers to summer, everyone. What do you think about the boundary waters? Uh... I don't want to go there, but I have to. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you want to go there? But I have to. Oh, yeah. Who told you you had to? You did. This is the WTIP Boundary Waters Podcast. This is the wilderness that Dave and I were both introduced to as kids. You know, our first wilderness camping experiences were in the Boundary Waters. And in summer, you wake up, you swim through the lake, breakfast then you can relax you can go paddling you can go hiking we've done this trip before to horseshoe lake and i remember catching walleye there before i went on a canoe trip in the boundary waters and it's it was really cool it was my first time the route from ram lake back to poplar lake with with no packs with with only a day pack we take it in one day. Well, you can look to Venus, you can look to Mars. I will set my sights by the northern star and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Oh, and in the deep dark blue come the northern lights. Welcome to episode 71 of the WTIP Boundary Waters podcast. I'm Aubrey Helmuth Miller. I'm Matthew Baxley. I'm Joe Fredericks. 
Wait, who are you? Soren. Well, I know we got something good coming up on today's episode, but before we do, we're going to talk to our current guests and hear what they're about to go do in the Boundary Waters. It's like a pre-trip spotlight. In real time. Yeah. It's happening right now. Aubrey, back again. Not a canoe copia this time. Not Neely and this I can time. Talk. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, we are a family of three. Well, actually, a soon to be family of four. Mm-hmm. Headed out for our first family trip in a many years. Um, but the very first one with Soren, who is how old are you? Three. Yep. And we've got one on the way. <laughs> I'm pregnant. So this is going to be a trip that looks a lot different than trips have in the past. We're not going for miles or um, fast-paced experiences, but we'll be moving pretty slow. We're really looking forward to it. We'll be out for eight days. Okay. At least that's the goal. <laughs> we'll see what actually happens. <laughs> okay. And there's uh, a lot of bugs out here right now. Oh, we're yeah. we're uh, just getting back from Lake Superior, and you guys are going in uh, Clearwater Lake in the morning and as you said you'll be in there for over a week so uh, we're just hearing about your trip we've been looking over maps and talking about fishing and campsites and hanging out with Soren and uh, Clinton and and just having a great time here uh, pre-trip but Matthew we do have a lot to get to uh, in the episode we're going to hear from Emily Havick, a journalist in the Twin Cities, about uh, some of their experiences. Uh, another couple who loves the Boundary Waters and has a lot of experience uh, in that space. But just wanted to say hi to Aubrey while they were here and get things rolling. Yeah, it's peak season for paddling and peak season for mosquitoes and peak season for black flies and peak season for fun. <laughs> right, Soren? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. All right. All right. Well, let's jump into the episode, and we'll we'll touch base later. So uh, great to see you guys here, and thanks for kicking off the episode. Thank you. Not long after they were married, Emily Havik and her husband took a trip to the Boundary Waters. On the trip, Emily cried every day and they were not tears of joy. Yeah, I mean, it was basically just the kind of trip where every day you encountered a challenge that you were like, I don't know if we can get through this. Not like in a we're gonna die way, just in a like, I don't know if we can get through this portage. Like we might have to turn around, our canoe might, we might damage our canoe, we might break an ankle. So it's just like a really high level of of stress for me the whole trip. So by the afternoon of every day, I would hit another hurdle and I would just be like at a tipping point and I would just like cry for a little bit. And then I would, and then I would like stop and do it and it was fine. And there was something really cool about that too. I mean, of course, anytime you overcome a challenge, you have elation, but it was a lot. It's just very simple, basic feelings of, I don't know if my body can do this. Havik, a Twin Cities based journalist and musician and her husband, Phil, chose the Boundary Waters Canoe Area Wilderness as the setting for their honeymoon in September 2020. The COVID-19 pandemic was still only a few months old when their honeymoon took place, so in that sense, it's understandable that the Twin Cities couple would stick to Minnesota for their post-wedding celebration. However, there's more to it than that. Emily and Phil love the Boundary Waters. Not only did they take their honeymoon there, they got engaged in the BWCA as well. Each year, they take at least one trip to the Boundary Waters, and for that honeymoon trip, 
they chose what many experienced paddlers would consider to be a strenuous route. Starting at Sawville Lake, they did what's known as the Laos River Loop, a sparsely traveled area of the wilderness known for its unforgiving and overgrown portages, bogs and swamps rife with insects and scattered campsites on small lakes that few people actually get to each paddling season. Emily says that despite the tears, or perhaps in conjunction with, the trip was extremely memorable. I think when we got to the ravine where we had to lift our canoe like up this 10-foot ravine, that was one bad moment. Yeah, there were just a lot of tipping points for me. But it was a really cool trip, and I was excited to push myself, you know. And so I was super happy that we did it. But yeah, it wasn't a relaxing honeymoon. Emily grew up in Duluth and has been coming to the Boundary Waters for most of her life. Phil grew up in Des Moines, Iowa, making his first trip to the BWCA in 2001 with a group of scouts. Those early trips were the foundation for what remains a spirited passion for the wilderness for both Emily and Phil. When you aren't distracted by technology, you really have a lot of conversations that you otherwise wouldn't have. And it just helps you to remember that even when you go back to civilization, that, you know, um, you should really just set your phone down in the living room and just leave it there and not like carry it with you from room to room and constantly check it when you get bored. And I guess all of it really just gets to the idea of being more present. And like Emily said, you don't have a choice but to be present. When you're doing a hard loop route, you are there, right? You aren't thinking about anything else. You are right there every single day, just thinking about how do I get, how do I get to the end of this day? And you know, how do I survive? The BWCA weaves a thread in the couple's relationship beyond just the honeymoon trip. They were engaged on Rose Lake in 2019, for example, and they continue to make at least one trip to the BWCA each year. By comparison, that trip on Rose, Phil says, it went much smoother than the honeymoon expedition on the Laos River. Well, no, we did awesome. And then um, we were originally planning to do a loop going west from Rose. I think most people usually go the other way around. But we found a campsite just kind of on the south central part of Rose and had an awesome western exposure. So just had these absolutely incredible uh, sunsets and like awesome place to set up a hammock and chill out. So Ended up just doing that and uh, had a night where we were just cooking over the campfire and beautiful sunset. And uh, yeah, I said something really corny. And um, what did you say, she was shocked. Oh, we're not going to do that. (laughs) (laughs) No, one, and to be clear, it's not like we, it wasn't a surprise engagement to the point that we had decided to get engaged, but I didn't know he was doing it there. And then in the morning, um, I woke up in the tent. He wasn't there. And then I heard, Emily, Emily. And I looked out and he was canoeing toward me, holding up his pole with a fish on it. (laughs) And I, now I always say that he caught me an engagement fish. (laughs) Though Phil hasn't made as many trips to the Boundary Waters as Emily has, he's equally as passionate about the wilderness. He's quick to study a map or reference it when you're talking about one of their recent trips, including one from May 2022, when the couple did the Frost River Loop, again starting near Sawbill. We felt like we could have done the Frost River in like three days. And we decided one day to just do a short day and just make camp at like one in the afternoon and just chill out um, because it would have been such a shame to just rush through 
such a beautiful place and rush through um, that experience to just take a step back and reflect on life and spend quality time together. And I remember sitting there that afternoon just thinking about how I just thinking about what I was going to take away from this trip um, because, uh, you know, I, 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 it helped me remember how nice it is to just spend a lot of time together and just chatting and um, yeah, just chatting with my wife and, um, and learning, I don't know, experiencing things together and talking through different things. As a journalist who is based in Minnesota, Emily continues to report on a number of important environmental issues facing the state and the region. Among her recent work is a 2022 documentary for KFAI Radio in Minneapolis about the decline of Minnesota's moose population, including in the Boundary Waters region. For the project, she talked with wildlife biologists from the Grand Portage Band of Lake Superior Chippewa, and she traveled up the Gunflint Trail on the edge of the BWCA with a Grand Marais-based photographer. While they were on the Gunflint, they were in search of moose, and the documentary has been aired on many radio stations across Minnesota, including at WTIP. Here's part of Emily's documentary for KFAI Radio that came out in June 2022. Up first, she's speaking with Dr. Seth Moore, the Director of Research and Biology in Grand Portage. The moose population has stabilized over the past several years, and this year's count was 4,700 moose, statistically steady, and the highest number since 2011. Dr. Moore believes the last couple of more severe winters have helped the moose. But the moose are by no means out of the woods. We haven't seen enough sustained growth to indicate that the population is rebounding. Could we lose the moose population up here? I think the potential exists, but I think it's something that we could easily do something about if we if we did desire to do so. And I say that with such confidence because we have very specifically measured all the factors that affect the moose population. And if you equally systematically address those factors, there is no recourse other than to change the trend. To enact solutions, the public needs to get interested in the moose population. And there are allies who can help with this. Dr. Moore calls them science transfer people, journalists, photographers, writers, people who can communicate the science in a way that captures the public's emotion and passion. Good. Yeah. People like Katie Mum. Right now we are at almost the start of the Gunflin Trail. The Gunflint Trail is a 57-mile scenic byway that starts in Grand Marais, about 35 miles southwest of Grand Portage. The trail heads inland from Lake Superior and up toward Canada, winding through the Superior National Forest. Uh, so we'll head up and I'll check a few of the spots where moose seem to frequent or where I've been seeing them lately um, and hope for some luck. <laughs> Katie is not a wildlife biologist. She's a photographer and she co-owns The Fisherman's Daughter, a restaurant in Grand Marais, with her fiancé. She lives on the Gunflint Trail. So usually um, I will go like three to four days a week, and then usually I'll try to go twice um, on the days that I am not at our restaurant. I'll go in the morning and then again at sunset. So you put a lot of time into this. 
yes, a lot of miles and a lot of time. I think I'm on my third vehicle because <laughs> I just run them into the ground with miles. My fiance is always like, you know you put like 10,000 miles on your car since we've gotten it a couple months ago. I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> didn't even notice, but it's worth it. An accomplished musician, Emily also gives space for the wilderness to influence her lyrics and melodies. So I remember on a portage a couple years ago, I like I'll get song ideas and I'll sing them into my phone. And so I was like portaging, like singing a little song idea into my phone. <laughs> so definitely the inspiration strikes up there sometimes. So let it rain, oh let it rain. We'll keep it for the winter till it all gets washed away. When it comes to gear, Emily and Phil own their own canoe. However, they still make a point to stop at a local outfitter on most of their trips to the BWCA. We love talking to all the outfitters because they're yeah. all just like family businesses that are usually we're talking to the second or third generation who are our age or, you know, they're, yeah. they tend to be in their 30s or 40s. And um, it's just super fun hearing their stories and sharing that. Yeah, yeah. sharing their their. Um, I don't know, like their, their space. Like they, mm-hmm. they just love, they're so passionate about what they do. So yeah. it's awesome to right. spend time with them. Looking ahead toward the paddling seasons to come, Emily and Phil continue to plan on annual trips to the Boundary Waters, perhaps making two or three each year if their schedules allow. For Emily, she says the Boundary Waters is about more than just the experiences that they'll find on the lakes and in the woods while they're out there. For her, she says it's all about celebrating and feeling a sense of place. I think it's it's the isolation of it, for sure. It's like feeling like you're really in the wilderness. Um, I know that there are now cell towers that reach more of the Boundary Waters, but I think it's it's really being out where your phone doesn't work, where you can completely disengage. Like for me, I'm a person who carries a lot of work stress. I do less now because my, my job is different, but... Um, being in daily news, like I was just always carrying so much stress. And I think the Boundary Waters is one of the only places that I felt like I completely disengaged. Yeah. And one reason, like we talk about this on our trips, but like one thing, one thing that I think it is, is you just switch to like a subsistence yep. mindset. Like all you have to do is like get to a place where you can put up shelter, make food to eat and like get to a destination and then just like keep moving. Mm-hmm. And something happens in your brain when you're thinking about those things and nothing else where it's just so like refreshing. I just feel like you feel closer to just like your basic needs and the earth, you know? Yeah. And so, I mean, it, it's really, for me, it's like so mentally healthy to be up there. And then it's just so For so many people, the Boundary Waters marks milestones in life. It can mark engagements, it can mark beginnings and, and even endings. Oh, yeah. You know, these startings, you know, you 
you can even measure a relationship by, oh, that year in the Boundary Waters, that was our second year together, or like Aubrey and Clinton taking in Soren on his first trip at age three, who we heard from at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. They're milestones, and they really come in all all different forms. Yeah. It's interesting to think, too, Matthew, like, so Emily and Phil get engaged in the Boundary Waters. Then they take their honeymoon in the Boundary Waters. Now they're just going on all these other trips or, you know, in more recent years now, just this past year and so forth. And and those are really strenuous. I mean, as we said, Emily, who is an experienced canoeist, been going there since she was a kid, and she's crying on this trip. I and mean, that's a pretty stark illustration of, like, the strenuous routes that are out there in the boundary waters that it is not a playground that there are some challenging things that you can get into but then there's this other thing that Aubrey and Clinton and Soren are going to do exactly you know you can go one lake in or a few lakes in and base camp and really put your focus on your kid and giving them a great first-time experience. Mm-hmm. Just about everything, you know, You there's so much freedom to at least try to make it what you are going to enjoy and what you need and what you're looking for. And and it's still strangely a vacation, whether, whether tears or no tears. Yeah. You know, bring something to mind when you put it that way, Matthew, that you can find what you're looking for. And now that we've been up here for a while doing the podcast for five seasons and talking with people all kinds of trips, different types of year, different times of the year and our own experiences before we started the podcast. This isn't, uh, (laughs) you know, August, late July, early August. That's not really a time that I'm doing too much canoe traveling in the boundary waters and I'm not looking for a permit I don't think I'd probably ever book one unless somebody was coming here that was the only time they could get off work or something but it's not really my my time in the in the boundary waters well I certainly understand that and though I have been paddling a lot this time of year there's one reason for that and you don't need to stay overnight to do it and that's to go swimming Mm mm-hmm and that's the beauty of the season, it's, that it's warm enough, the water's warm enough, and jump in. I think people come up this time of year for that reason, but we, <laughs> we don't have to stay up for the bug hours, uh-huh. and that's nice. Yeah, and the fishing's not so great this time of year, you know, it's just, you can find some walleye, but usually in the evening, and it's just not, it's busy in the Boundary Waters, uh, and it's not cold. It's not really cold even at night for sleeping, at least the way I, I prefer to be sleeping with a cool night. It's not a bad time. It's just not my time. And that's okay because you get to pick your time. Winter. <laughs> I hate that you bring up winter when we're as far away from it as possible, but you do love it. Just like I dream about this time of year when you're enjoying ice fishing. Mm-hmm. But here we are in rolling into August, and it's been a pretty easy going season. 
so far this year. I mean, we had the late ice out and kind of the, the high water at the beginning that really marked the start of the season. But now it's just, you know, been a fair amount of rain, so we're not talking about wildfires. I mean, this was right around the time last year that we were talking about the closure was coming up. It was a fire ban on since the 4th of July in 2021. It's just a much different season than last year. It just feels really easy going. It really does. I mean, I just, now that you mentioned what, like, kind of what we were doing last year, and I think I had just gotten out of kind of a trip in Ely, and, and we were watching fi- the fires that were burning. Uh, and then when I came out, I think that was right when the closure the first closure was announced, and mm-hmm. it feels like such a different season. And it's that way, you know, like these things, that they're milestones. The fire was a milestone. This year, that flood mm-hmm. was a milestone, and every year it's got something a little unique, and right now we're kind of coasting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it feels good uh, just where we're at moving into August. We've got some really interesting people we're going to be meeting in the wilderness or we're hoping to connect with on upcoming episodes so we've got a lot of great things still on the books for this paddling season oh it is not over <laughs> let me tell you not even close we're not slowing down here people no it is if anything we are ramping up just getting started boundary waters podcast hoping everybody from Aubrey to little pal Soren and Clinton and everybody have a great trip out there. I don't want to go, but I have to. (laughs) That's what you say in January. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I just sing when I paddle. Feeling not thinking if the strokes are true We're gonna get through to the other side Out in the night the waves beat the shore You can hear them pounding, you can hear them roar Roll me, rock me in my dreams You can roll me, rock me in my dreams So I like to sing, I love to dance Play the fool if I got the chance All around the campfire light All around the campfire light All around, all around, all around The campfire light Soren, he's going to the Boundary Waters in the morning. What do you think about your Boundary Waters? We're going to the Boundary Waters because we, because, because that's our trip because we want to. (laughs) 